two. And the Lunch Pail Draft Cast is back again like it never left. It's been a couple-week hiatus since we did our Senior Bowl recap with Luis Medina of the Bleacher Nation blog. And Jacob Infante is back with me, Danny Meehan, as we get into our positional breakdowns. Today we'll be going hog-wild for the hog mollies, the big fat men up front, because... As we all know, fat lives matter. Of course. And Jacob, why don't you just say hello to the folks and we'll get going on our offensive tackles. How are you this afternoon? I'm I'm lovely. Uh, probably not as happy as you, you know, coming off your honeymoon and whatnot and literally getting married, which, I mean, that was, you know, that, that you got married before our, uh, before our first episode, but you, you've been on the honeymoon, had the whole thing. Uh, I had a nice, I had a nice vacation. I just got back from Nashville and Memphis yesterday, which was a good time. Uh, I can mention now that I'm, you know, 21. Uh, I don't remember what happened on Sunday, but other than that, it was, uh, other than that, it was a fun time. Uh, had a blast. So, uh, we, we got some stuff going for us. We got some stuff. And you world. probably saw many a bachelorette party before you left the building, as they say. Oh no! Absolutely, absolutely. It was. <laughs> uh, we we didn't get in in time for like those Fridays and Saturdays, so maybe we missed a little bit. But even then, it was still a, right. a wild atmosphere. But yeah, no, very uh, very fun time for sure. Awesome. Well, Jake, Jacob, I was like I kind of alluded to in our little build up there. Um, let's start off with the guys that the Bear, that the Chicago Bears are going to have. Let's be realistic. You're no no chance at getting. Yeah. And there's you know, there's probably three three for certain, four probably are is a good bet before yeah. you even get to the Bears selection at thirty-nine in the second round. Unless Pulse does the unthinkable and you know, trade. Yeah. Uh please please don't. For yeah, the record. Yeah. Uh my stance, please don't. But uh which of those elite do you want to or the elite so to speak uh tackle prospects do you want to get and do first yeah so for those you know just wondering like the guys we're talking about the three for sure uh that won't be there when the bears pick are evan neal from alabama uh ike mcquanu from nc state and then charles cross from mississippi state and the fourth guy that you know we were talking a little bit before we started recording here like we don't think trevor penning from northern iowa is going to be there uh, is there an outside chance? Maybe, but I, I don't expect that to happen. I think that, like you said earlier, the hype with him is just too high. I think he goes round one. Uh, he, I do wanna... he did too well, especially in the one-on-ones from everything I read about down in Mobile yeah. against the top-tier competition to, to, to let him fall much further than maybe even like top, the tippy top of round two. Yeah. Yeah, no, but no. I don't know. I, I I would like to talk about him a little bit because I know like Neil and Aquan, sure. this is the consensus top guys. Charles Cross, like you know, he hasn't been talked about as much, but I still feel like all of them are getting like top ten buzz. And Penning's a little bit of an interesting case, so I think we could start with that and then work our way to some of the more uh, like realistic Bears options, if you will. Yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll let you kick it off with Penning. Why not? Okay, so. 
I, I, I was obviously, I do want to talk about Trevor Penny because he's a guy who I, I did notice him over the summer uh, and, and a little bit earlier when we were breaking down Spencer Brown last year, I saw his running mate at the other opposite offensive tackle spot. I'm like, okay, you know, you've got a huge, nasty athletic guy on one end and a huge, nasty athletic guy on the other end. And I think Trevor Penning's a better prospect than Spencer Brown was. And, you know, you know that's saying a, a good bit because Spencer Brown, like he was a day two pick. I and, will accept no slander of my guy, Spencer Brown. Hey, Dude, hey, this is- <laughs> no, you're, you're absolutely correct. No, that, that's um, it just different levels of, of prospect is really what that comes down to. Yeah, no, and I think that you're looking at someone who's like what six seven three thirty, who can move like he does, who's got the power, the nastiness, the long arms needed. I was gonna say, kind of plays with a with bad intentions and in a bad mood. He's he's just upset when he's playing football. And and that's what you love. That's what you love to see out of offensive linemen. Guys are just gonna want to go and kick your ass like every single snap and. If, if you're not doing that, then you're, you might be doing it wrong. Cause like, that's part of the love in the offensive lineman and panning is mentally capable and physically capable of driving dudes into the dirt. So he's raw. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, that's the case with a lot of, you know, some of those size speed specimens from the small school prospects that we'll get to at other positions too. But I think that panning has got a lot going for him. I'd be shocked if he falls out of, Honestly, the top 20, I mean, I could see him going late first, but I think the hype is just so yeah, I, right now. I'm with you. I think I feel like 20, th- the top 25 is like probably his, his range Yeah, based off everything, especially when you start factoring in like t- different offensive schemes and everything that are being run across the league. Like it, the more you watch like the college game, the more and more these guys are becoming better athletes, especially for the amount of RPO and and just option option based and and zone run zone stretch schemes that are being used across the league with the yeah. McVay and Little Shanny systems kind of sweeping the sweeping sweeping the league. Yeah. But I would argue Trevor Penning would be a better a better fit for a like a Tennessee Titans style offense where they're doing the gap power stuff like Arthur Smith with Atlanta would make sense but I don't think they're going to take him that high you know uh, just just another option of a potential fit schematically just to kind of offer some nuance to the conversation yeah and Honestly, now that you mention it, I do like the prospect of the Falcons trading down from eight because, like, sure, you could go for a quarterback there and there's a chance that they might, but they have so many needs. I don't know if they stay put at eight. I think that this is a roster that desperately needs an infusion of youth. I think moving down into the team somewhere, getting Penning, like, I have him going like in my – my draft guy that released today that I am plugging. Look at you plugging things without me having to remind you. I know. Look proud at of you. I, I've come a long way in the last year, and I'm, I'm very proud of that. But, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, oh, yeah, I, God. I, plugging yeah. your stuff. You're on Andrew Rank's podcast. Look at the big time <laughs> Jacob Infante. 
Yeah, I'm basically uh, I'm basically a celebrity now. I no, uh, well, I it's a funny story. I had my one only moment that I've ever had of someone you know actually noticing me in public because I've seen people uh, on Bears Twitter who have you know talked about this and I'm like, okay, I'm kind of I'm kind of jealous. I want someone to notice me in public. Uh, I so I, I'm mentioning this again, and I'm going to come off like a raging alcoholic, but I promise that's not the case. The day after no the week after my 21st uh one of my buddies came into town from uh indiana and i was you know checking out the bar scene as you do in columbia missouri uh and this one guy checked my id he's like hey hey you're uh you're on that bears guy on twitter right and i'm like yeah yeah that's me and he's like oh i I see you pop up on my timeline all the time and i was like wow okay neat cool cool all right now i'm i'm a I'm a Twitter celebrity and an F-less celebrity. There yeah. I am. <laughs> hey, hey I, I wouldn't even consider myself F-less. Like, I'm like, like, I'm at the point where, like, I can go out in public and be totally unnoticed by, like, 99.infinite nines of the population and live my life in peace. And so I don't, I don't know, but that's just a fun anecdote. We are talking about Trevor Penning. I don't know how we got to this. We, we did something here and got there and sure. But um, yeah, I mean, I think we covered our bases on Penning. The nasty physical power, you know, power base left tackle prospect who probably could play either side if that's where he ended up going called for, but I would prefer him stay at his natural position that he's played on the left side since he's got there. Um, I don't think we really need to get too much into Ika Mikanwu. Ekwanu. I'm, I'm did sorry. I did, did, I did this pre-show and I said I wasn't going to do it. There was an <laughs> NBA draft prospect who came out last year named Onyeka Onkongwu. It's not even a similar spelling, but for some reason my brain just like auto-corrects it to that and I can't stop doing it. I'm just like all of Bears Twitter is going to consistently call Ryan Paul's Ryan Pace, even though I think I've dodged the bullet on that one, which I'm sure I'm going to screw it up later in the show because I just said that. <laughs> and Evan Neal, those are the consensus top two. Yeah. Charles Cross, we can touch on him a little bit if you'd like. But the, the one following, especially for, you know, the primary base of our listenership, that while, yes, we do pride ourselves on being a NFL draft show – we're more, we are Bears fans, so we tend to lean more Bears-centric. Yeah. And it feels like all over the timeline, people really, really love, one, <clears throat> Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. Okay. And I, I, I kind of want to touch on him. So what are your thoughts on Tyler Smith? Another big, nasty, road-grading offensive line prospect. Yeah, so the thing is, I view Tyler Smith as a guard at the next level. And I know he played tackle at Tulsa predominantly, and I could see him slotting there. I think it's certainly a possibility. I won't knock people for having him as a tackle. I have him as a guard for all, you know, all, t- all intents and purposes. But I think this guy can be a stud in the league. I think you're looking at, sure, are his strikes a little out of sorts at times? Can he... Uh, struggle with, you know, correct timing and placement. Sure. Is he a little bit raw in terms of processing? Sure. But you're looking at a guy who's big, mean, athletic, and it's just so much potential to work with. Like there's that mentality 
you know, it's tough to teach that, you know, it's tough to find someone absolutely consistently drive guys into the dirt. You have that, like we mentioned with Trevor Penning with Ike McWanu, and there are a couple other guys. It's a select few in this class who are just mean and nasty every time. And I think Tyler Smith is one of those dudes. So yeah, Smith does that. I also like in terms of like his actual, like you kind of touched on his punch or his hand placement, which is very much a work in progress. The part of his playing ability that I think doesn't require much because, and I think it is partially due to that mentality. He is stronger than hell. Yeah. His, his anchor and his ability, you're not going to, you don't bull rush him. That's something you don't get away with. He's, big he's strong and he if you try to go through him he's just simply gonna you know like the term anchor would would suggest he's going to anchor down and hold his ground you don't go through him so that's something i think really plays to his favor i'm kind of in the same boat as you of maybe he projects better as a guard at the next level but similar to more of what my thoughts are of value because he's going to be a top two or three round pick at this point. Yeah. I think you almost have to see if he can play the tackle position. And in some sense, if that's where you're, depending on where you're picking him and what your needs are for the team that he goes to. But it's like the, the inverse of how I felt about like Larry Borum, a bears pick last year where everyone's like, he's a tackle. He played nothing but tackle. And I just watched him. I, I, I did not see a tackle. Yeah. Like, and I, but it's also different levels of prospect. Larry Borum was a fifth round pick who was a fifth rounder for a reason. You're talking about a guy out of Tulsa who played a much different level of competition, much different style of athlete, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just making the comp because I, similar to you with, with Smith. Oh, let's try, let, like, let's try him. At, let, he's a guard in your book. That's fine. But I think you you could try him a tackle to see if he's worth seeing there versus for me, Borum was how I viewed that, that his, him out of Mizzou was like, up, oh, he's a guard, just play him a guard, be done with it. Yeah. So, but if he's a guard, whatever, right. He, he does, I think project better, but I basically was just saying, I think he could deserve a look at tackle, especially just because of how he, um, carries himself on field and he has that makeup where I don't think he's going to allow himself to be allow himself to be a certain level of bad. He's going to be a sustainably good player. Yeah. And I, th- I think something that shows up with Tyler Smith is uh, something that I see with Iguanu too. I think that I, I think Iguanu obviously is the better prospect, but if you're looking for a lot of the same traits in a guy, you could get that in Smith. If you miss out on Iquanu early, you could get Smith, say, early round two, maybe late round one. I don't know if he goes first round, but if, you know, if he falls out of round one, he's, I think he's going to go fairly early in the second round in the top half, mm-hmm. at, at least is what I think. Uh, but you're looking at a guy, he's a, he doesn't have a. That's where height. I think the smart money is. I just, you know, it, you never oh, no. know because it, it's hard with, to like separate what's who like what the league thinks versus what what's the echo chamber of draft Twitter because some guys you swear are going in the first round sometimes fall around four and you're like what happened yeah yeah no and 
it, it that's the thing about the draft is it's always impossible uh, more or less to determine, okay, he's going to go exactly here. Cause uh, you know, there are endless guys year after year. It's like, Oh, how did he fall to day three? How did he go undrafted? How did he not get picked in the first round? Uh, so I, I think, you know, all that considered uh, Tyler Smith could end up falling to round three. He could end up going round one, round two, a- anywhere in that range. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think one thing with Smith is he's a little bit lower to the ground because he's, he's short of six, five, he's six, four and five, mm-hmm. eight. And, you know, that's a little bit below average for an offensive lineman uh, just in general, especially for a tackle, but he's someone who can go a little bit, he's a bit lower to the ground. And I, I actually think that his, his being a little bit shorter gives him an advantage because he wins with leverage. He's got a thick lower body and he has above average arm length too. Now, now, Jacob, you're sometimes privy to more of the uh, pers- personal details of them coming up through the league. Do you know if Tyler Smith at all wrestled through high school or anything? Because that, like you said, lower to the ground, the, the basic rule of wrestling, low man wins. And in most sports, low man, low man wins the battle. It, he's inherently lower. I just wonder if sometimes guys like them, uh, if they were wrestlers at the high school level, or are you not privy to something like that? Yeah. So in some cases, I'll take note of that. I remember, uh, I want to say it was Harrison Phillips a couple of years back, who's a star wrestler coming out of college. And you could see that and how he wins with leverage on defensive line. So I, I, I'll admit, I, I looked this up. I checked on his profile on Tyler Smith's Tulsa profile. Uh, there, there's nothing about, is a wrestling background, but there are a couple interesting things. So uh, the one person that Tyler Smith would like to meet dead or alive is Hannibal Barca, the Carthaginian general considered to be one of the greatest military commanders in world history who was born in two in 247 BC. What a weird. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. But that's yeah. just, that's that's just that's an out there guy to yeah. want to have dinner with that are alive. All right, cool, good for you, Tyler Smith, being eclectic and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. That has absolutely nothing to do with his athletic background. I, uh, I, was, <laughs> I, was, I was and, and for the se- we, for our second time of in depth conversation of two prospects, we we have a how did we get here moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we'll have many more. I'm sure we'll have many more. Uh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure there'll be a couple. The the episode is young. Um, so following that, I guess I'll just lead you to the next one. Who is someone? Now you're talking. You know, we got Tyler Smith out of the way. The Bears Twitter crush. Who is yeah. someone that you think is both a value around the the second round and a potential fit? For, for a true offensive tackle prospect, not someone who could kind of wishy-wash between both positions. So a, a bona fide offensive tackle, at least in my mind, I have no idea if he's available at 39 or 48 or wherever the Bears end up picking. But a guy, I think there's a possibility, at least more so than a Trevor Penning, is Bernard Raymond out of Central Michigan. And this is a dude with a pass catching background. He came, I think he played. Yeah, wide he was a tight end. 
Yeah, he played receiver in high school, I want to say, and he started at Central Michigan as a tight end and then bulked up, added, you know, weight to go to O-line. And <clears throat> this is a case of a dude who's just a very weird but fun profile because he's very clearly raw and he's very I think there are a lot of techniques and about a lot of the uh, uh, nuances of offensive tackle play that he doesn't really have at this stage but he's a really good athlete he's got good raw power he's got a bit of an edge to him I think that if you're willing to be patient I think that Bernard Raymond could be a very good starter in the league is he a day one guy who can start week one right away and play at a very high level? I don't know. I think there's some growing pains with him, but you're looking at someone with his athletic upside. I think that's definitely intriguing. I mean, he could go round one, who knows, but you have a guy who's what, you know, over six, six, he's got a frame that can afford to uh, pack on some weight. He's someone who runs, you know, like a five Oh five 40 yard dash had an 11 foot seven broad jump a 20 yard shuttle that was in the 91st percentile. Like those are some good numbers and you have that (coughs) physical upside to work with. I think that's worth taking a shot on and you get someone who can move in those wide zones, who can down block, who's got the acceleration out of his frame. uh, Well, out of his stance rather. And that raw power to be able to generate movement. I think that's a guy you're looking at at Raymond and Again, he's he's raw, but I think the tools are there. Yeah, I mean, it, especially when in terms of the Bears, it's it, like specifically when you talk about someone who is a converted wide receiver to tight end and tight end to out to offensive tackle, like the wide zone, the Shanahan McVay, that's what Luke Getze is gonna probably want int- want to intend to do. He's gonna be able to probably do that just based off of the measurables that he tested at and his athletic pro- profile and background. Now, I, 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 I will wholly admit I haven't watched too much of Raymond. I think outside of – I think I made it a point to watch him against LSU, I want to say it was. I, I, I so I'm was, not going to – He came down to Missouri, and he – you know, me being a Mizzou fan, he caught my eye. He caught a lot of people's eye. He dominated us for what it's worth. I'm trying to remember. I think, I think they did. They play LSU. Well, I'm just. I mean, it, it, it'd be funny if people could actually like look at us because I'm sure you're doing the same thing. Like I'm scrolling through my Excel notes and stuff as yeah. I'm, <laughs> at, which I know I said in the first episode. I do still have my notebook, but I yeah. transfer my notes to Excel once I'm done. Yeah. And I have here his just just as a like a plus a, a bullet point plus is smooth pass sets. Yeah. So it, it, it's one game. It, it could change. It might, but that was something I think I just noticed in terms of he turns his hip, he flips well, he gets out of his stance he, and he tries to just probably, it's all probably due to the natural athleticism he built up through playing the outside positions or the skill positions as it were yeah. at a different point. Yeah, and so um, yeah, he did. He, they did face LSU. Uh, I yeah. I so watched, I watched that game, but I'll admit I don't remember a ton from it. I know Missouri was the one that really got him on my radar, and really, I, I don't remember a ton from it either. Truthfully, I just uh, that's why I was scrolling through the Excel sheet. 
because yeah, I mean, that'll tell me more than my old brain will. <laughs> I mean, he's he has a good grade. He has a good grade for me. I liked his tape, so clearly he was doing something right in that LSU game. Right, exactly. Um, let's see. Uh, similar in the same vein as you, um, a player I kind of liked the more I watched him. <clears throat> excuse me. Was um. Rasheed Walker from Penn State. Okay. So I liked him as well because he's pretty good athlete and and use it and, and gets lateral pretty well based off of what I'd seen. I mean, I watched him against, you know, he's an easy he's easy for me to get in in live time because of living in the Midwest. We get all the Big Ten games. So I yeah. think I saw him play Iowa, Wisconsin, Ohio State. You know, all those, all the easy ones to to get, yeah. but it just when I watched him, I I saw just a, a pretty decent or if not good to very good natural athlete. I like how he is able to balance himself and control his control his core, or have body control when he is physically trying to set himself and not get moved off the spot. Um. <sighs> I wouldn't say it's anything like he's not like this like mountain of a man or anything. What is he? He's six six three twelve. So he's kind of a taller, slenderer. Yeah. Tackle. Um. I guess if I had one big issue with him, it's it's was his toughness. For all all he is is an athlete, and you know, being a really, I guess, kind of a dancing bear out on the edge when he blocks and how he moves. He doesn't really have that like kick-ass mentality that a Tyler Smith has, or a excuse me, um, whew, Trevor Penning has rather. Jeez, words are hard. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I'm like got something caught in my throat, but um, I really like I really liked what I saw from him, especially when you start factoring in like the the natural athleticism and like he's also very experienced. Um, but his hand technique too. So for everything that Tyler Smith lacks in his hand placement and his ability to get his paws on you, um, he does not. So he's really experienced with his hands and he does a very good job at like, you know, winning the hand fight up front. So I kind of curious what you think of him. I, I think that's really, I think I've done two, two, two and a half games of in-depth work on him. Plus what I saw just live in, in, in the moment of watching, you know, college football Saturdays. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm honestly grateful that you mentioned the whole uh, hand usage thing, because I feel the exact same way about Rashid Walker. So that's a, that gives me a little bit of vindication here with my take on him. I think that his, uh, just his placement, his timing, the way that he uses his hands and consistently gets uh, wins that inside leverage in between the pads there. I think he does a very good job of that. Uh, I have in my notes, he's a three-year starter. And, you know, that definitely shows up. I think he's he's pretty mm, Very experienced. Things. Yeah. And he's, he's good at picking up on, you know, more exotic blitzes, delayed blitzes, uh, twists, stunts, whatever you want to call them, what have you. Uh, and I do think he's a good athlete and like, like you mentioned, is he the most powerful guy? Is he the most nasty guy? I don't know. I don't think so. And I, I think he's a little bit thin. 
uh, in the lower half and a little inconsistent in getting low. And, uh, you know, as is the case with some of these college offensive tackles, that can be a little bit of an issue, but I think there's, there's potential to work with. And I think that I don't mm-hmm. know if his 2021 season was as good as 2020 because, you know, I was able to watch like Ohio state 2020 Maryland, 2020. I know those stood out to me. Uh, and, you know, watching <coughs> a bit, maybe not as much as I should have uh, in 2021 because mm-hmm. Like, you know, Jahan Dotson really caught my eye uh, in a lot of those games. And admittedly, I got distracted. That's my that's my bad. Uh, you know, my person <laughs> having a bad attention span like me. But uh, I, I think Rashid Walker has talent. I think he's got some tools to work with. I don't think I consider him round two. From a Bears perspective, I think he'd be a solid fit just because he's a good athlete. I don't know if he's mean enough to fit that mentality that Poles and Eberflus seem to be leaning towards, but I, th- Absolutely. I, but I, I think he's a good enough athlete. And, you know, if they want to take him, say late round three, if they pick up a fourth round pick, then I think, you know, look at him, you know, do your homework on him at least. Well, I guess since we talked about the guy who I like, that's a good athlete and um, more mild on field demeanor, I guess I'll, kind of quiz you on yours. Um, I know you're a sucker for the more fluid moving offensive tackles. Give me your thoughts on Mr. Nicolas Petit Frere. Okay. <laughs> I tried so, to make his name French <laughs> and I just, that, that was, Oh, that was tough. It's tough. all right. It's all right. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to take it. You didn't take French in high school then. No, I took Spanish for six years, four years of high school, two years in college. Wow. Okay. So that's, that's more than me. I, uh, I, I took Spanish for two years in high school, then like a month of Spanish three and dropped out because I didn't know how to read Spanish and they, they just want, they, <laughs> okay. That sounds so bad, but my reading comprehension in English isn't even all that great. In Spanish, when I know like what half the words mean, I was bombing that class. I dropped Just it immediately. Out here, this is Jacob telling our listeners that he is a grown ass man out here doing his absolute best at all points of his life. I'm, I'm trying over here, and I, I got to instead of Spanish, <laughs> I got to take. Uh, I took world religions, which which was pretty fun. I got to write uh, an essay about how. Uh, Lord of the Rings has ties to like, what was it like Buddhism or something? I don't know. Uh, and I, you, I, you, I, you got nothing from me on this topic. I don't know. One time uh, it was a, an older monk who had a glass eye and I just show up every time and he's like, Oh, we're going to talk about uh, voodoo and magic, whatever. And I'm like, all right, this, this is better than having to be tested on Spanish words. So I'll, I'll take it, but no, with, uh, <laughs> with Petit Frere, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll move on here so I don't get too sidetracked, but Petit Frere, which I think means little brother in French, I, I, I had to look that up, but uh, I think that he's a good athlete, and I think that's the one thing that I kind of like about him. I know that you're not super high on him, or at least as high as I am on him, but Petit Frere, he's a good athlete when... He gets his footwork down. Sorry, what? I, I don't want to interrupt. Oh, so 
it's not like I hate the prospect. I hate the peaks and valleys. There are games he looks really, really good. And then there are games he looks like he belongs, you know, playing in Division Two. It like he's just complete. Like it feels like he's just completely overmatched by who's in front of him. You know? Yeah. And I don't know. No, I I think that's definitely possible, and that's definitely you know valid with him. I think that overall football IQ and intelligence is a bit hit or miss with him. Is he mobile? Sure. Does he always know what to do with his feet? I don't think so. Can he use his hands pretty well? I think he's decent in that regard, but he's not the strongest or the nastiest guy out there. And he can struggle a little bit with some of those more exotic rushes. Uh, So I I think with Petit Frere, there's reason for worry with his game, but the upside is high. And Daniel, like you said, the peaks are high, the valleys are low. And are, are you willing to take a chance on a guy like that? Are you willing to say, okay, we trust our coaching. We think we can develop him into a more consistent player. I mean, if the Eagles were able to turn Jordan Mailata, a rugby player who, you know, never played a down of American football in his life into a guy who's making what, like freaking four years, $64 million deal. Then- yeah. I mean, it's, I guess the question comes down to, is that exception to the rule? Yeah. More times than not, that absolutely is the case. That is exception, not the rule. But yeah. there's also the idea of, you know, the old saying of you got to risk it to get the biscuit. Like, it's such a stupid saying, I know, but <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, it's kind of true. If you want to reap the rewards, sometimes you have to take the guy who doesn't have the best overall, you know, showings all the time. It's all, it's all based on traits. It was kind of like, I know, you know, kind of famously last year to go to the linebacker side of things, um, people really were, it felt like a lot of people were very split on Micah Parsons. Like, is he an edge? Is he a, is he an off ball backer? What is he? And, like I was just kind of I, I I think Micah Parsons for me personally he was one of the best linebacking prospects I've ever watched and I, it's not particularly close I thought he was just kind of in a league in his own of his own where I was just like just why does he have to be pigeonholed into the here or there just let him do everything now obviously it's an it's an it's an apple to oranges conversation but Petit Frere could be a very good player. It's just a matter of do you trust your coaching enough? Does the regime in place want to deal with that? Like, I, it, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Would I be against Petit Frere in the second round? Probably. I think that's a little rich for my blood. But in the third round, say you go line like off ball linebacker or cornerback and wide receiver or whatever your combination is with those first two picks. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, what do you have to lose. I, I think I think that's I think round three is good value for Petit Frere, and I do have I. Here's the thing: like grade wise, because of upside, I do have him a little higher than that, simply because I like to factor in uh, at least for an offensive tackle potential. And I, I'm like you said, I'm a sucker for those guys who can move. Uh, but 
I think round three, especially for a team like the Bears, I think is definitely a more, more possible scenario for him. Uh, right. I don't. I don't know. I, I feel like he's been mocked uh, like late round one in some cases, day two, day three. What I've you- seen him all over. I saw him as high as the top half of the first round early on in the process, and now I've seen him as low as four. Like I don't think anyone has a good gauge for it just because it's probably the the very thing we've touched on. His highs are really high. His lows are they're they're rock bottom. Yeah, yeah, and it's fun to kind of go along with some of those guys. Like oh, like a Verone McKinley, safety out of Oregon. We'll get into you know different positions on other episodes where, oh, I've seen him as high as round two, as low as round six. Brian Asamoa, linebacker, Oklahoma. I've seen him as high as round two, as low as, like, round six. It's so weird with some of these guys. I think Petit Frere, maybe not to that same extent. Uh, a, a wide receiver to that vein. Romeo Dubs, I've seen. Oh, wow. yeah. That's another guy. Like, I've seen him as low as seven. I've seen him as high as two, three. It's like, that's. Not like a small range. That's that's a pretty big <laughs> it's like you're talking day two money to oh he might not get drafted at all. So, yeah. All right, cool. And and it's so weird because usually a lot of these evaluators, whether you know it's like a, from a mock draft perspective, there's somewhat of a consensus. Like, sure, maybe you're off by like a round with a guy, but it's it's rare to see like so much fluctuation. Romeo Dobbs is one of those guys and Petit Ferrer might end up being one of those guys. I don't know where he's going to end up. Uh, but I, there's one guy that uh, I'd personally like to bring up if you don't mind. And that's Abraham Lucas out of Washington state. So that's a guy that I think could be more of an option on in round three, especially from a bears perspective, but other teams who might need, uh, those offensive linemen it, around that range, like say maybe the Colts at 73, the Seahawks at 72, the Jets at 69. I don't know. Nice. Uh, but I think Abraham Lucas is one of those guys who get him early round three. And I think that would be good value, honestly. Yeah. I, you know, I've only. Maybe I think I was just starting to get into the uh, tape from the Wazoo Man, and I don't really feel like commenting on him based off of like half of football. It doesn't seem fair. So I'm not going to. So go ahead and expound on him, and I'll sit back and just kind of listen and when I get to him, I'll see I'll see what if I agree or not. <laughs> uh yeah so honestly i think with lucas i'm looking at a guy who at least early on in his uh in his collegiate career he ran that washington state offense that was so air raid so pass heavy had so much uh experience in that kind of a pass protector role at offensive tackle uh had a little bit more exposure as a run blocker over time i still think he's the better pass protector but Pretty well-rounded dude. I don't know if he's necessarily great at anything, but he's a bigger guy, uh, you know, multi-year starter at the collegiate level. Uh, pretty strong. I think he's a pretty a sound processor, a good enough athlete. 
Uh, maybe not the most flexible guy out there. I think speed can give him an issue, especially those, you know, out, rip moves to the outside when you need to get low and generate that bend in your knees. I think that can be an issue for him sometimes, but I think he's got tools down the line to be a starter. And is he a left tackle at the next level? I don't know. I feel like left and right tackle are a bit more, uh, a little bit more interchangeable than some people give it credit for, but Again, still, you know, I think that there are different skill sets in some cases. So Lucas could be a candidate to move to right tackle, but he's someone I'd take a chance on in round three. He's been uh, reliable for Washington State for quite some time. Uh, so I wouldn't take him much higher than that, but if he's available in round three, that's when I'd start to consider him. For sure. Um, I guess I'll move on. I I wanted to touch on Daniel Falele, but I think I, on our senior bowl show, I kind of made my feelings from known another former rugby player. He, you know, transitioned to football later in his career. The guy I, I saw for some reason, people, I don't think people understand, like they, they, they understand the basic numbers and metrics behind like 40 yard dash and vertical jump, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But they don't really factor in size when he does it. Like, and I saw like a bunch of like, takes thoughts that oh Daniel Falele is not a good athlete like do you not understand how big <laughs> this man is yeah like for him to be like verting nearly 30 inches at that size yeah is absolutely absurd now he he didn't do well at the senior bowl I understand that I wanted a lot more from him because I liked him on tape a little bit but I'm not going to get I'm not going to get too nuts and bolts on him just because I think the those who listen to us already knew I like him. Yeah. Um, the last the last one I was going to kind of touch on a little bit um, before moving on was was Zach Tom from Wake Forest, probably like a fourth or fifth round pick, but you know, real smart guy. He played both extended periods at center and left tackle. So for my money to quote unquote, most important positions on your offensive line, though, I do kind of agree with your assessment that any more tackles are important, no matter what side they're on. It's just a matter of what side are they playing? Um, not the biggest guy. He's six, four, six, five. I think he's, I think he actually weighed in sub 300 pounds, but he's a good football player. You know, yeah. he does he he does a little bit of everything well. You know, he's, I would call him a technician. It's a, he's all based on timing and using his hands and 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 getting and using essentially his experience. It's all about his him knowing just how to work and and get the most out of what he is. Like I'm, I'm I I have noted here based off of somewhere that I read that he logged more than 3000 snaps in college. You know, that's, that's a lot of football to be played. So um, I, I like him, especially because of the versatility, you know, tackle and center. And I like that he's a, you know, experienced player and I don't, he just does a lot of little things well, where he could be a starter for you down the road or even right away is like a guy you just pick because he's experienced and might be able to fit into a line and maybe you get something really good. Maybe he's just solid, but I think he's just a really good football player who I have. I think looking at it 
excuse me. <laughs> yeah, I got a mid four, early five on him. Okay. So maybe I'm out of town stupid. Maybe it's maybe I'm too high. I don't know. No, I, I think that's fair for him. Uh, I do have him a little bit lower. I think that uh, size could end up kicking him inside uh, just because he's not the biggest or longest guy out there. But I, I see what you like in him, and I definitely think he's got draftable potential because he's a dude, you know, like you said, technically sound. I think he does a good job with weight distribution. I think his hand time, his timing and placement in strikes more often than not is pretty good. Uh, yeah, you know, it, very- he's just kind of I, – I don't really know how else to describe it. Of He doesn't do anything bad, but he doesn't do anything great. He does all, everything well for what he is. No, yeah, yeah. And I think for offensive linemen, he's a really good athlete. Like I, uh, I've been using mock draftable uh, in addition to my own notes that I've been having on guys. Uh, mock draftable has him for in terms of just offensive linemen in general, so including all positions. Ninety second percentile twenty yard shuttle, ninety fifth three cone drill, ninety eighth broad jump, ninety third vertical, ninety fifth forty yard dash, ninety third ten yard split. That's a really good athlete. And I think that shows on tape. I think that his athleticism is, you know, it's huge. It's a key point of his game. He can move around well. He can block on the move. He's coordinated. Uh, And, you know, the thing that comes down with him is, is he strong enough? Is he big enough? Is he nasty enough? I don't know. I think that does knock him down a little bit in my board, just because of the fact that he's smaller, doesn't have the, the best processing ability. I think, he knows how to move his body and he knows how to use it well, but in terms of processing can improve a little bit. So, yeah, I I'm a little bit lower on Zach Tom for that reason, but I think he's definitely someone you take a shot on. Uh, I think that just from an athleticism perspective, uh, that's a very good player up front. Someone who, like I said, uses his body. All right, so with Jacob, you know, you, you kind of summarized your thoughts on Zach Tom pretty well. So let's move on to the guards and centers or the interior as it's kind of just the easier way to kind of group them all in together. But let's get a quick word from one of our lovely folks that sponsored the Windy City Gridiron people. All right, and we're back. All right, Jacob, do you have any, um like – preference as to whether you want to go with guards or centers first or is it kind of just pick one and we'll figure it out okay hold on shit so yeah i i didn't count to a personal hotspot for my wi-fi because it's just give me a sec here Okay, so that I think brings us pretty much to the end of our tackle conversation. You know, I, we don't really need to get into the undrafted or late draftable guys too much just because I don't think many people care. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll move on to the interior. Do you have any preferences? Do you want to do centers or, or uh, offensive guards next, Jacob? Or is there a specific one guy you wanted to talk about right off rip and we can just build off of that? Yeah, so honestly, I think that guard might be the way to go uh, just simply right. because – us being Bears guys, you know, the Bears signed Lucas Patrick, who's probably going to be their center. Uh, so I think that guard might be a more interesting way to go just because, you know, the whole Ryan Bates thing didn't work out. So 
uh, they're probably going to be in the market for okay. a new guard. So I need to get this off my chest with this whole Ryan Bates thing. <laughs> uh oh. Ryan Bates may very well be a tremendous football player. Yeah. That's cool. I liked the idea of Ryan Bates. That was the kind of correct person to target 25 years old, a quote unquote ascending player at a reasonable number. I believe he was around $4 million a year. The offer sheet that the Buffalo Bills ended up matching. Yeah. But good God bears Twitter. (laughs) This man was not Quentin Nelson. He was not a starter in the league outside of, for what, four or five games last year? He played 400 snaps. The way the reaction was, you would have thought they lost a guy bound for Canton. (laughs) Come on. Let things play out. Let everything, let let the offseason finish. There are so many other players in free agency, even like, I don't know, off the top of my head, Eric Flowers or Trey Turner are both serviceable NFL guards. Yeah. Do they offer the upside that Ryan Bates has? No, probably not. But you can find football players to play guard in free agency before we even get to the NFL draft in the next month. It j- I just needed to get it off my chest. I'm sorry, but that was really, really bugging me. No, and no, I just had to bring it up. Yeah, no, you're fine. I, I honestly agree with you. I was just more so in the point where I'm like, okay, I'm more interested in the idea of getting a young ascending offensive lineman with upside than I was with specifically Ryan Bates, considering who was still on the market. He had the highest ceiling of anyone available, pretty reasonable price. And, you know, I thought, okay, you know, I could get on board with this. And I was, I was disappointed when the bills matched his offer. You know, I won't even lie with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. it's, not, it's not the end of the world. You know, there are guys, offensive linemen in, you know, round two, round three, who could step in as potential starters. Uh, and you could get for even cheaper than Bates. And with the same kind of risk of, all right, they haven't started uh, in the NFL Bates has only started like what four or five games in the NFL. So his sample size isn't much bigger. Uh, and he's older than a lot of, you know, all these rookies coming into the league. So might be better off. We'll see what happens, but yeah, there are a lot of guards that I want to talk about. I know we talked a bit about uh, Tyler Smith is a guy I project at guard, you know, could play tackle. One dude I want to talk about is Cole strange from Chattanooga. I'm interested if you have any thoughts on him, because he's one of those – it seems like they're always this, these small school offensive linemen who they come in, they dominate the, uh, the all-star game circuit. And I think that Strange was definitely one of those guys. So, so I'm interested if you have any thoughts on him, if you know what you like about him, what have you. So I'll, I'll turn that over to you. We can chit-chat from there. Um, so the first thing that stood out to me in the few, the few Chattanooga games I was able to get my hands on, specifically the big one being Kentucky, which – from like all accounts was probably his best showing, which is great for him considering yeah. that was against it, you know, an SCC school, especially when it's been on the rise under, uh, I believe Mark Stoops, the brother of former Oklahoma Sooners coach, Bob Stoops. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the first thing that really stood out to me was his on-field demeanor, very aggressive, you know, the, you know, the motor running hot kind of thing, which is something that we, we need to, you know, obviously very much keep and pay attention to, as we've talked about a little bit on the show already. Um, 
I think he is much more uh, zone guard versus a gap guard or anything like that. Um, I think he'll require time, which I know some people probably disagree with that, but I'm, I'm a big believer in level of competition on, and he did have a, a very good showing against Kentucky, but he's coming from Chattanooga. Like they're, they're just going to be growing pains. Yeah. Um, I think his initial punch is violent and he gets, he, he wins with that. Um, he, I think he anchors. Okay. But again, anchoring is going to be a little harder for a guy that you're projecting to be more of a, a zone guard as it were. So I, I, I like him. I'm not going to sit here and claim to be an expert on him. I've only watched, I believe him play them. And would, would it be, Mercer, maybe I, I can't remember, but I, I'd have to go really go digging through it again to give it out. But I'm just in general, yeah, I think I think he's really good, especially as a zone blocker in the outside zone schemes that they ran out there in Chattanooga. I, I would be not upset with him at all. What 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 are your thoughts on him? Yeah, so I look at Cole Strange as a guy that I could definitely see. Uh, the bears falling in love with. I think that that strength he brings the, the brute force he's able to generate in his, in his punch and his lower half when he's driving uh, very impressive stuff. I think he's got uh solid overall size, maybe not the biggest guy out there, but big enough to be able to, you know, translate to the NFL level, good athlete who tested well. I think that his, athleticism on tape might not be elite, but it's, it's good enough to the point where I think he can translate there at the NFL level for sure. Uh, and again, I think the nastiness is such a big thing with him. Just those bad intentions, the willingness to drive defenders in the dirt. Uh, I think the first game I watched of his, like I watched the Kentucky game, but I saw North Alabama. I it was the first one that I was able to watch of Cole strange. And that stood out to me. I'm like, okay, this guy's probably got one of the highest motors in the class of, maybe any position, let alone offensive linemen. So I I think that's definitely something that, you know, a lot of those football, those coaching types are going to fall in love with the guy who plays hard, who plays the game violently. Uh, I think there's a lot to like in his game. Is he raw? Yeah, I think so. I think weight distribution and pad level could improve a bit. Uh, Getting a little more knee bend in that regard could improve. Uh, but it, I, I think he's got some tools to work with. I think he could start in the league and m- maybe yeah. not a, a day one starter, but something to, uh, I think he's someone worth developing and putting uh, time into. Uh, yeah. You know, from based off of what I've seen, I, I, I would tend to agree with that. I know some people probably are much more well-versed on him. I mean, I'm only going, like I said, off of, I believe two games of, of watching film. Um, So I, I, I offer what I can in terms of, that's my baseline, but I'm not going to sit here and like get at, get, like try to die on a hill of Cole Strange. Yes, Cole Strange. No, because I, I don't know it a lot. Now, I will also say one of my big things in drafting players that I consider a knock is age. He was born in, in late J- July of 98, which makes him an older rookie. I always kind of worry about that more. So if he were a skill position versus a, you know, a trench guy, but 
it's always something I just kind of have to wonder, especially when you're factoring in the fact that he is playing at a much lower level of competition at Chattanooga than many other guys. Um, but in that same vein, if we're going to stay uh, in the, the smaller school window, I'll, I'll, slightly bigger competition, but let's jump to Memphis. And I would like to know how you feel about one Dylan Parham. After I, of course, get into it a little bit. So I like Dylan Parham. I think he could be potentially a center or a guard, but I do really enjoy that he is a really good athlete on tape. I, I don't have in front of me how he tested, but I think he, he moves really well and it, and his contact balance though could use work isn't the most atrocious thing about him uh he he really fits though what i think they're going to be trying to do and what a lot of the league as i stated earlier in the episode is trying to do going forward with a lot of these like zone concepts stretch zone um you know moving pockets type type for the the quarterbacks that are coming into the league and and he is fast he has good hand usage and excuse me he competes through the uh echo of the whistle maybe not with the same veracity or tenacity that someone like Cole Strange does but I think he does a very good job and the reason I bring up his athleticism in spades is because he in high school played both linebacker and tight end so prior to transitioning to the offensive line upon arriving on Memphis's campus so he, he's a little newer to the offensive line position and a lot of the nuances of the game are going to probably have to be taught to him in, in time, but there isn't anything I truly dislike about Dylan Parham. I just think he needs a little bit of work, maybe a little bit more work on his core strength and uh, power at the point of attack, but I like him as a uh, developmental potential zone guard center. Like I said, a lot of it deriving from the fact that he did start his football career as a linebacker and tight end in high school. But I'm not sure what your thoughts are on Parham Jacobs. I'll let you get into it. Yeah, no, I, I think you summed it up perfectly. I think that Parham's a very good athlete. Uh, tested well in – he ran a four nine three. Uh, I did pull it up in his four yard dash, and so yeah, that, that, I, I was when I was when I was talking through it, I was working on like trying to like look at my notes and pull up like his like <laughs> RAS score. Yeah. So that's why you kind of hear me like going kind of like just on a tangent here or there. But, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I think that from a strengths and weaknesses perspective, you hit the nail on the head. Really good, like a, you know, there's some of those stretch zones, wide zone concepts. He's really good at a lot of range as a blocker. I think he's intelligent. The core strength and the size, I think, is a little bit of an issue. He could stand to get a little bit stronger, uh, a little more stand in the pants, if you will. I, I never understand why that's a saying, but it is. Uh, and But, yeah, I, I think he's the type of guy you can target late day two, early day three, potential starter. Uh, maybe not in every system. I don't think he's going to bring a ton of value in, like, those gap schemes. I just think he's too small uh, to truly be a dominant power blocker. But – 
get him on the move, I think he could definitely uh, perform well at the next level for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I think that with, you know, Dylan Parham, like I said, he's not the type of guy who can start in every sort of, uh, in every scheme, but get him in zone. I think he's, you know, brings a lot of value. And, you know, if you don't mind, there's another guy I want to bring up here that along the interior, uh, and that's Ed Ingram out of LSU. And we're talking about a different skill set here from Dylan Parham, I think entirely. And some similarities to Cole Strange, but... Ed Ingram, I think you're looking more so at strength heavy. And I'm, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on him, because uh, I think that he's the type of guy, maybe not the best fit in his own scheme, but I think he could start in the league, especially in those power gap sort of systems. Uh, I think he's just a big hoss who can just dominate people. So, you know, it's hard when you're, you know, getting married and going on honeymoon and stuff to get to every single player. I'll be honest. I have gotten to none of Ed Ingram. I know he's well thought of, and I I have seen some of the gap power stuff. I mean, all things being equal, if I can be truthful with you, I would much, I would much prefer watching and enjoying a gap power blocking scheme. It's just more to the aesthetic that I enjoy watching football, but there is absolutely nothing I can say on a personal level of having me watched Ingram because I have not. So the floor is yours. All right. Well, I, uh, I hate to, you know, set you up for that. That is, that's my apologies. And I know. Oh, you're fine. Yeah. (laughs) I'd much rather have the honesty on tape than me just like sitting here being like, Hey, yeah. (laughs) yeah no and you know that's that's the good thing i think about like this show is like if we don't know a ton about something like we'll you know acknowledge it like and i I think that's that's better than to just say oh you know of course i know everything about you know insert small school guy here i've watched every single game of his when in reality i haven't watched a single flick of tape to save my life but I mean, the, the, my baseline for games watched is pretty much two or three. If I can watch two or three, I feel like I've got a, a baseline of which I can speak on. Yeah. It's so hard to like be like, oh, yes, let's just use, let's use a bigger name. Like, to, it's easy to get Linderbaum film. Yeah. It's just easy because he's big and he's one of the best center prospects in recent vintage yeah but but to then you could be like a guy i personally really like and i've had to work to find his game films is cam jurgens yeah there now you'll find some people who talk about him in spades and then you're like wondering like are you just taking other people's thoughts because i don't know that like if i had to work for it and i've got i've come across ways to getting my hands on this stuff as I'm sure, as I know you have as well. Yeah. Like how does everybody do that? Or how does everybody seemingly echo the same thoughts? It's just funny. That's all. No, no. And that's fair. And I think that, you know, you bring up Cam Jurgens, and 
he's another guy, you know, I've watched tape on him, not nearly as much as say a Linderbaum or one of the, like a round one target, like a Kenyon green or a Zion Johnson, but I've watched something on him. Man, I, I uh, props to Zion for blowing up his stock. That was a dude, the first game I popped on of his before he went to the senior bowl. I was just like, Oh, I'm in love. Yeah. <laughs> and then the whole world figured it out. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's pain. <laughs> I mean, it's a good thing for you as an evaluator that you are earlier to the hype train than most. But <laughs> like, as, a, as someone who wants Zion Johnson on the Bears, like, I get that. Like, it's something a little disappointing about finding this, you know, draft crush. It's like, oh, maybe we can get him round two. Uh, and then, oh, it turns out he, people are saying he's the best interior lineman in the class and he's going to go top 20. So what are you going to do? Right. Sometimes that well, happens. Back, back to your thoughts on the big man from LSU, Ed Ingram. Ed Ingram. So he, I think his ceiling is a little bit more limited than a Dylan Parmer, you know, you can make the argument maybe Cam Jurgens, because uh, I think Jurgens might be a little more athletic, but Ingram's a powerful guy. I wouldn't say he's he's he stands out in terms of body control, in terms of flexibility. Uh, but I think he's strong. I think he's powerful. I think he uh he's got a, that bit of an edge to him that I think a lot of those, you know, trench purists might really like. Excuse me. Uh and I think he uses his body pretty well, considering the fact he's not an elite athlete. But I think that he's more someone I'm looking at in round four. May You could sell me maybe late round three, but I think he's more of an early day three type of guy. Uh, okay. I think, I, I think I, you know, I'd rather take someone with a little more athletic upside, like a Dylan Parham, a Cole Strange, someone like that. But Again, you know, that's not a necessarily too much of a knock on Ingram. I think he's a solid player. I just – that's just the way that I view offensive linemen. I like betting on athletic upside. Uh, you know, you may disagree with me. Other people, you may disagree with me on that, but that's just my personal philosophy. So, I think I think Ingram's a solid starter in the league. I don't know if he's much more than that, but I think he can step in and be serviceable. Okay, that. Nothing wrong with that. Not really a fit based off of how you were describing him, I'd imagine, but probably yeah. more someone I'm guessing you would just enjoy watching him. Is that a correct assumption? Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I think okay. that he's someone so, that's been brought up a decent amount, but, you know, so like, here, I don't think he's the best fit for the Bears. As we talked a little bit, kind of jumping to last year's uh, shows, Jacob, you know I'm a fan of Jaden Daniels from yeah. Arizona State. And – I watched him a lot leading into this year, thinking he was going to be a first-round pick, and things in Arizona State kind of went south, we'll say, as a bat, as a nice way of going. But when I was yeah. watching him, the the uh, guard there kept kind of popping up in my my frame as like something I'm like, this dude can play, and that's Donovan West. Yeah, um, Donovan kind of caught my eye. He uh, – believe from everything i'd seen um he is primarily primarily not primarily uh, a center um who are uh, yeah primarily a center who started at both guard positions 
So yeah. I'm not sure he's necessarily pigeonholed in, in a way like Dylan Parham is, where it's like this dude just kind of has to play in a zone scheme, but I think he's better suited to it. Um, yeah. He's competitive, good athlete. I, I like that he, um, when he engages at the point of attack, he tends to win inside on the chest plate and anchors down pretty well. He seems to be a pretty smart kid on the field. Doesn't doesn't seemingly like get caught with his pants down a lot, so to speak. Or, um, that, that's know, he an just, interesting, interesting way to put it. But that, I yes. get what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> I, but I I, I, I I think he gets to the second level well. He gets out and moves pretty well. I I just don't really. I don't know where to gauge him in terms of where I would pick him. Like, cause I, for everything he, he does really well. He doesn't really do anything bad. Yeah. Like it's, it's almost like a better version of how I was describing. Um, Zach Tom from Wake Forest. Yeah. But, I, but I think he's just a higher quality of prospect. Just because of his size and stuff for, for the interior itself and having not done most uh, a fair amount of snaps at on the outside. So Donovan was someone I really enjoyed and think, I, I think he could be a fit, maybe like maybe round four, I think would be yeah. f- a fair evaluation, but I, I, that's just someone I really enjoyed watching just, and especially because I came across him by kind of oops when I was watching yeah. Jane Daniels film. So there it is. Yeah, no, and I, I like Donovan West. I think he's the guy, especially earlier on in the process, I was high on. Uh, and I, I have gotten a little bit lower on him since then because I was, I truthfully was expecting a bigger leap from 2020 to 21 than what I saw. But I still think he's, you know, around that round four range, that early day three, I think is good value for him. Uh, pretty well-rounded overall guy. I think that sure he might lack an elite physical trait, uh, you know, a little undersized, you know, sub 300 pounds. Like yeah, he over- did weigh in under 300. Yep. I was yeah, just like, looking at that. like barely over 6'3". So he doesn't have like, you know, those elite physical attributes. But I, I still think overall he's a solid player. And that shows on tape. He's coordinated. He, he's a pretty solid pole blocker. And he can also, uh, whether you have him as a down blocker, whether you have him, you know, going, pulling uh behind the center or pulling as the center. I think that he's, you know, does a good job getting his weight underneath him, maintaining that balance and that body control in space. Uh, Again, I I don't know how high his ceiling is because I think he's a solid athlete. Didn't test, you know, bonkers. No, he, he he, broad jump and his 10 and 20 yard splits on his 40 were very good. Yeah. But uh, he like official eight, 10, nine, 1.74, 10 yard split, 2.96, 20 yard split, which for a, a man of, of being on the lighter side at 296, he yeah. should be running better in that, in those smaller areas. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't just, know. I, it's hard it, it, when you get to a certain point on a lot of these guys, especially interior linemen, uh, of the later ilk, it's like they all kind they they all almost kind of start sounding the same because it's like, oh, well, he's not he's he's only so big, he's only so this that the other. Like it's why I actually find Cam Jurgens to kind of re recircle back to him so interesting is because 
like Trevor Penning, he walked onto Lincoln's campus as a tight end. And I think he's, in a way, if you can't, I don't want this to sound off, sound the way it is going to sound. So I'm trying to think of how to phrase it. For everything people love about Tyler Linderbaum as his own center, Cam Jurgens offers a lot of the same stuff without being Tyler Linderbaum because of his athletic profile and because of what he does. He's someone I'm very high on. Uh, He was recommended to me by a friend who actually attended the university of Nebraska. And he's like, dude, you might want to check out uh, the the center of this team. Just a heads up. I I had no idea who he was literally until about three or four months ago when I was told to check him out. So I, I, I took the recommendation because, you know, you have friends that tell, tell you certain things. You're like, all right, well, Gonna go do that now, and so Cam Jurgens is probably a a my guy for later in the draft. But you might get Cam Jurgens in round five or six, even depending on how teams feel about him, just because of how new he is to the position, and, and he's just got a learning curve, you know. Yeah, I mean, and I think Jurgens has a bit of that learning curve, like you said. He's not the biggest guy out there. He's you know a bit newer to the position. Uh, and, and I think that he can stand to still get a little bit bigger because he's, you know, barely measured over 300. He was, I want to say, listed at 290 uh, at Nebraska. So interested in seeing how his body composition has, you know, changed exactly since then. If it's more so that water weight sort of thing to add a little bit of weight, or if he's actually, you know, bulked up that muscle to get past the 300 mark. But I can definitely see what what people like in him. I think he's. Same. flexible he's athletic he has that you know skill position background uh i feel like i shouldn't know this because he gets so low and like obviously he's a little bit shorter he looks like a wrestler he looks like a wrestler out there he's got <laughs> this, this is the second saying, time this is gonna happen this show and we have no idea <laughs> yeah and <laughs> again i i like to try uh for the second time i'll mention the whole oh trying to figure out if he's a wrestler. Interesting thing. You know, he has his own beef jerky. People talked about that at the combine. He had this glorious mustache that people were talking about. Uh, So, all right, I have this, I have this. So he wasn't a wrestler in high school, but he did play basketball and discus and shot put. So, you know, well-rounded athlete. That's good. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I, I love those, you know, linemen, both offense and defense with those, those uh, like track and field backgrounds because shot put and discus like that's, that's some fun stuff. You got to be a strong dude to be able to do that. And explosion too to the lower half to generate all that momentum and force. Of course. And Jurgens was a four time state champion in discus, three time champion in shot put and was all class gold medal. I don't know what that means. But in both shots, <laughs> I don't know positions. what that means, but it's clearly good. It's, it sounds good. I mean, you have me sold on that. Like, you don't have to. <laughs> Sound, this yeah. sounds awesome. I have no idea if it, what it means, but it means it's probably <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, for all I know, he's the greatest shot put discus guy of all time. So uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just putting that there in the back of my hand. So you know, you know, I get a lot of uh, what people like in Jurgens. I think that same. Wait a little later. I think he's a guy that can outplay his eventual draft positioning for sure. 
So I'm going to cut to a commercial real quick, but I have to bring it up just because I know Linderbaum has no shot at making it to the Bears. But I got to talk about one piece of film that I watched on him that just made me like go gaga essentially, <laughs> but let's ha- let's get a word in from the other commercial. And we're back. All right. I, <laughs> it might've been the Penn state tape, but I, I wish I would have wrote it down because I've heard my notebook go. I can't even find my notebook now. I'm lost without my notebook. That's like my world. Okay. But um, there's a play where they call a, a, you know, just an outside pitch. And <laughs> Linderbaum comes around the left side and he beats the pulling guard around yeah. the edge. <laughs> like physically beats him. Do you not, I, for those who may not, I don't want to say understand her, but don't know, but on an outside pitch, the guard is the first one to generally pull depending yeah. on the design of the play. And, and he, the center literally has to wait and snap the ball and come off late. The athleticism it takes to snap and then beat your pulling guard around the outside to make it to the second level is dumb. That is one of the <laughs> absolute dumbest plays I've ever seen in terms of athleticism by a center on tape. I, I couldn't help but like laugh, and then I'm like, I, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna just watch Tyler Linderbaum film the rest of the day because I want to. <laughs> like, was I supposed to catch up on tight ends of this class? Well, yeah, but yeah. this man just beat a guard pulling around the edge. That doesn't <laughs> happen. So today I'm with my plans. Yeah, no, and I think I'm trying to remember what game it was. Uh, Colorado State, Colorado State, there's a clip that I remember watching where Linderbaum was a pulling guard and uh, like I'm literally watching it right now. So it's, you know, coming out in an offset eye, he goes out behind the guard, behind the tackle uh, and he just, (laughs) he shoots all the way down the field. He's outrunning the running back here in terms of speed. And he seals, off like, he seals off like several guys. I'm watching on this play. Like I can count. Let's see. So, <laughs> so he seals off the edge rusher, seals off a linebacker and just keeps moving farther and farther up the field. And he, he gets all the way out to the safety. He gets up to the third level and then just flattens the dude. His range as a blocker is simply phenomenal. And I just... I, I know he's probably not going to fall to the Bears, so you know it's just. I mean, no I've, him, but yeah, oh yeah, I just had to gush about him because the, it's. I don't even know, like his film is dumb sauce. That's how good he is yeah. on tape, and it's like if this dude wasn't like so, I consider him like almost center only. Like if you're drafting him, you're drafting him to play center. Yeah. Um. He's, I think he's like a top eight, 10 prospect in this draft. Like, 
that I, I just consider him very highly. That's me. I know that not everyone considers interior offensive linemen, especially centers to be of that ilk. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I just think he's really damn good. <laughs> oh no, I totally agree. And I, I, I'd have to pull it up. I know I have him top 10 on my board for sure. Uh, I don't know exactly where, but I think that. Yeah, just, I'm still oh. working on the, t- the overall board, but just the, yeah. Bears fans, you're not getting Tyler Linderbaum. <laughs> Me to the story. I just wanted to share some, some dumb stuff yeah. <laughs> that when you watch as a, an armchair evaluator, the, God, uh, just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Why you do this? No, and <laughs> oh god, but yeah, no. I think Linderbaum, at least for the Bears, he's not not in the not not happening because he's no. not going to be there. But now there's one more. There's one other guy that I want to bring let's, up. Yeah, I was going to say let's get the last guy in because I think we're running yeah. at about an hour, and that's enough. Yeah. I think it's enough hog wild for hog mollies. Yeah, done here. At because then we one- get more on the other side. Exactly. We've got a whole nother side of the trenches to get into, man. That's going to be a whole nother, whole nother flock of fatties. We're going to talk about film on. We're talking about that Georgia defensive line next time, man. Like, you know how fun that's going to be? You realize you could hypothetically name like nine of their starters for the defense. It's going to get drafted. Ridiculous crap. Whatever. I, anyway, continue with, with our last offensive line of the of lineman of the, of the draft cycle. So the last guy I want to like, there are a couple dudes I want to shout out. We don't have enough time. Uh, Luke Fortner out of Kentucky is a dude that I think has got some tools. Uh, strong dude, maybe not the most athletic on tape, but I think uh, once he gets a hold of you, he's you know he's got a hold of you and he's intelligent. Michael Mayetti out of Mizzou is another guy. He's a little bit, you know, lower on the radar, undersized, but he can move like crazy. Third team, all American. But the guy that I want to talk about a little bit, because I feel like he's a guy that Bears fans might be a little more acquainted with and we haven't touched on is uh, Alec Lindstrom out of Boston College. And and he's someone that I, I watched him a bit last year and then he decided not to, you know, he decided to come back. So Lindstrom, I think maybe not the highest ceiling, but he's another one of those dominant guys with a high motor, runs red hot consistently. You know, once he gets a hold of you, he's good overall hand placement and he's got good grip strength and a strong motor. Uh, not the biggest guy, maybe not the most athletic guy out there, but I feel pretty confident saying, okay, this is a guy he can start pretty early in his career, have a solid career as a serviceable starter. He might not ever be a Pro Bowl guy, might not ever make you know a huge amount of money, but I think there's room for serviceable offensive linemen in today's NFL. That's what I think Lindstrom is looking for. That maybe like early round four, I think that's uh, real. That's good value at the center position for Lindstrom. Sure, that. Uh, I- uh, Lindstrom, I think, is just when I popped him on. I think he's really just solid. Yeah, that, that, that's the word that came to mind when I watched him. Like nothing really stood out as a glaring weakness. Nothing really stood out as this awesome strength. But he plays football well. And sometimes, when it comes down to it, you won't know as well as I do that 
if you just play ball well, it's all that matters. Like, you know, I will get into it more when the wide receivers episode comes up, but your boy David Bell does not test well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But when you watch him play football, he plays football well. Yeah. So it's always a balancing act of what matters more. Um, I wanted to, I can't seem to find his name and anywhere. And I, maybe I I have him wrong on the, uh, the year he's supposed to be declaring, but I thought he was declaring this year. Uh, There's a, my alma mater is Southern Illinois university. And he was, I'm really upset that I can't find him. Oh yeah. There he is. uh, Zavion Furcrone. Hmm. So he is a guard prospect out of Southern Illinois University. And he was featured actually on Bruce Feldman's freaks list. So this man started 46 straight games for the Salukis in Carbondale or Carbondale for those who want to know how it's actually pronounced. <laughs> um, I believe he was second team All-American, uh, team captain, and he think he blocked for, I want to say they were top 10 in rushing offense and all of division, whatever the subdivision one is called now, because I keep calling it one double A, and I had some guy actually in my mentions a couple months or, or about a month ago after our first recording when I called it division one double A, like coming at me because it's not called D one double A anymore. It's like, <laughs> like, okay, I'm sorry. Like <laughs> division one double A forever. So I'll call it the division one subdivision. Yeah, like, exactly. But I, Jacob, if you want to just watch a guy that is unbelievably stout and strong <laughs> and just an anchor that would make the Titanic jealous. Like, <laughs> I don't know how, how high he's drafted. He's probably like a late round draftable guy is how you would term him just because of all of his, um, uh, like age. He's been, it's, he's been in Southern Illinois since 2016. So, so it's age and then his size. He's only 6'2", but he is 327 pounds. Like, there's a lot working against him, but he is a very um, interesting watch just because of how physically strong he is, which makes sense because kind of a fun fact for him is he has a master's in exercise science, I believe, from okay. the Southern, from Southern Illinois University. Or kinesiology, kinesiology or exercise science. I don't want to mis- One of those, mislead yeah. anyone. But he he is someone kind of like um, what was his name? Uh, was signed by the Browns. He he was a Bears guard. Eric Cush was that way Eric as Cush, well. Yeah. Very. Eric Cush was another like exercise science meathead guy that was insanely strong. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, well I- I'm gonna have to check him out. I'm going to have to take Yeah, a, if you can. Yeah. I, I, he might be a little harder to come across. I just, because I went to Southern, I was able to have some sent to me. I'll see if I can dig it up in my email. If I can, I'll send it to you. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to make sure to check them out because I love those stouter guys. I like watching, you know, they're lower to the ground, but they can generate some serious drive. So yeah, uh, sounds like a lot of fun. I'm, I'm going to have to take yeah. you up on it. Sure. And he is a local kid, went to Joliet Catholic as well. So really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so honestly, the odds are probably strong that I saw him play against my Bennett Red Wings at some point. So I'll have to, uh, I'll have to check in on that. I'll have to check out on this tape for sure. Good stuff. Well, Jacob, it was a good first positional breakdown. I promise to our listeners, um, I'm going to get better at the whole multitasking thing of looking at my notes while trying to speak, or just maybe have <laughs> a little bit more, maybe I'll do a side-by-side screen thing, but we always appreciate you guys coming in. I'll also be much less tired sounding and groggy the next time we record in the next few days. Cause we got several positional episodes coming up. Plus I think we're going to maybe try to get like a draft diamonds for specifically just late round, yes. maybe undraftable guys to very much keep an eye on because as quote unquote film grinders, whatever you want to call us, we very much enjoy finding the guys. No one else is talking about. How about nerds? There's one nerds. I think that's a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Jacob, we'll, we'll get this all wrapped up, but thanks as always for tuning in to the lunch pail draft cast. You can catch that and many other shows on the windy city gridiron podcasting network. Jacob, where can they find you? All right. So over on Twitter at Jacob Infante 24 stuff here at windy city gridiron, you know, written podcasts, what have you, uh, a lot of interviews over at the draft wire. That's most of the stuff that I do there, but you know, occasional articles. Uh, like I mentioned at the top of the show, my draft guide is out now. It's my pin tweet. Please check it out. Please, please, please. I'm begging you on my hands and knees right now. Uh, please. Oh, please buy my draft guide, please. And thank you. Uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's where you guys can find me. Uh, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. I'm glad to be back. You know, we're doing this. We got like a month or so until the draft. I'm ready to crank out some stuff. Yeah, we, we're going to get it all figured out. We, we It seems like our schedules coincide pretty well, even with me doing the uh, job outside of the fire department on the side, because college students have nothing to do with their lives. So. <laughs> yeah, oh God. I mean, I, I, I do some work. I do some work, but no. I, I, I pretend like I study. Yeah. 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 yeah, To to keep my parents happy that they're, you know, paying all this tuition money for me, but. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you guys can find me on the old Twittering device at Dan, me and M E E H A N is Nicholas numbers nine. Oh, we will catch you knuckleheads and draft Nicks later signing off. Catch you next time.